I love, I love a, a Jordan B. Peterson um, quote that paintings are layers of time. And that's what, you know, a painting that really comes to life. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to episode 146 of the Camino Voice. Today I speak with the featured artist of the month in the loft for July. Please welcome Jennifer McGill. Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson, and you're listening to the Camino Voice podcast, where I interview local business owners, comedians, singers, and more. I dive into their backstory to find out how they got where they are, what are some of the tips for you to do the same, and find out where they're going. Tune in every week as I interview more of the people you see every day. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Camino Voice, where we release a new episode every Tuesday. Uh, hey, I hope your guys' week is going well. Uh, it's finally sunny here on Camino Island. Um, so I'm recording this, and it's currently uh, pretty clear skies. There's just some clouds in the sky. Um, so that's good. That's been, that's been a good change. Um, on, on another note of that, uh, this week has been another kind of rough week. Had a few different things happen this week that uh, had me down just a little bit. Uh, again, this podcast was not recorded during this time, so that's good. Good news there. Um, and uh, yeah, so been a little bit of a rough week. Um, had a good Father's Day and everything. Just whew, fun times in life. Um, so on top of that, if you have not already followed me uh, at The Commando Voice on Instagram, be sure to do so. Um, I'm trying to post three times a week. I don't know if I'm hitting that, but I'm trying to post little things throughout the week, just kind of fun little things I found. Um, I've got a fun video coming up here. Uh, it's not that like exciting or mind-blowing or anything. It was a weird occurrence that happened um, at my house. So um, be sure to watch your stories for that. Um, although after I've recorded this and it comes out next week, that story will be gone. But um, perhaps I'll post it multiple times so you guys can see it. Anyways, um, yeah. Uh, so today I'm interviewing Jennifer McGill, uh, who is the featured artist of the month in the loft for the month of July in 2022, if you're listening to this in the future. Um, so be sure to, as always, stop by the loft to check out her work. Uh, she does fantastic job. She is from the Skagit Valley, so um, same area that I am hailing from currently, um, and uh, does amazing work, and was actually the featured artist for this last year's um, Tulip Festival, which is a huge honor. Uh, when you know how big the Tulip Festival is in this area and how world-renowned it is, um, to be selected as that uh, featured artist is just incredible. So she got to do all of that. Um, and she just does really neat work. Um, her combination of vintage and flowers and everything looks so good. So uh, be sure to check out her. She is in the loft uh, through the month of July. So be sure to do that. Uh, and uh, yeah, so without further ado, here's my conversation with Jennifer McGill. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Commando Voice. Today I'm here with the featured artist of the month for July. Welcome to the podcast, Jennifer McGill. Hey, thanks for having me, Brandon. This is great. Yeah, thanks for joining me. So before we get started, tell us a little bit about Jennifer. Oh, where to begin? Uh, let's see. So you asked me where I grew up, and that is a great question because I spent uh, half my time between Napa, California and Decatur, Illinois. Okay. And I spent almost equal time in both states, about 12 years in each state. Okay. And uh, I will expand on that a little bit because it's pertinent to my background in art. Yeah. So I was actually born in Los Angeles. Okay. And my mom and my bio dad were divorced when I was about 18 months old. Okay. And I have no memory of him whatsoever. He was really not part of my life after I was a baby. Okay. So my mom decided the best thing for us was to move back to Napa from L.A., which is her hometown in Napa. That's where she grew up and uh, graduated from high school and still had lots of friends there. And so we moved back to Napa. And she was a nurse, a registered nurse at the hospital. And we lived in a little apartment and had a little life together and okay. as just mommy and daughter and uh, 
And then uh, some years later, I was probably six or seven, my mom, she's a pretty adventurous gal, <laughs> and she took flying lessons. She really wanted to learn how to fly. Okay. Yeah. And this really handsome pilot that she met that was her flight instructor, she fell in love with and married, and he became my dad, and he adopted me. So he's my adoptive father, but I think of him as my true dad because he loved me and fed and clothed me and yeah. helped put me through school and was a dad for all intents and purposes. So, yeah. And he, uh, obviously he was a professional pilot, and so with a pilot came a lot of adventure and interesting moves and things, and mm -hmm. uh, that's how we ended up in Decatur was that my dad took a job flying for a corporation. So he was flying between there and Chicago, uh, Decatur and Chicago quite often. And it was really great because even though he was a pilot, he was home for dinner and we had felt what felt like normal family stuff Yeah. for um, the beginning of, of my life as, as now a now that we were a nuclear family. Yeah. So, so far, uh, up to today, I've lived in five different states. Okay. I've lived in 20 different houses, apartments, and condos. <laughs> so I consider myself a bit of a gypsy soul, a rolling stone. Um, but my longest stretch of living in one place is actually here in the Northwest. Okay. Yeah. Nice. And, yeah, it's... It's funny, when my parents, um, I followed, kind of followed my parents out here, and I just fell in love with the area, and yeah. so here I've been for, gee, almost better part of 30 years. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. And when I became a mom, I decided I was going to just stay put, even yeah. though um, I could have that adventurous life and take kids places, but it made more sense to allow them to have one space uh, that they could call home yeah. and have friends that they could you know, call back to and anytime. In fact, both my kids have friends now that, like my oldest son has friends that he lives with that he's known since elementary school. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So yeah, there's a real nice connection. Yeah. Very cool. So, um, so through growing up and everything, was um, was art something that at a very young age, I mean, you were moving around, you're kind of in different schools, I'm assuming. Was that something that you took to pretty early on? Absolutely. For as long as I can remember. Okay. Yeah. From my, one of my earliest childhood memories is being out on the playground and I drew a profile picture of a little friend of mine on the pavement and my teacher gave it to my mom and said, look at this. This is pretty incredible for, you know, a little five-year-old child, wow. you know, drawing, uh, trying to draw people. Yeah. So uh, I've always had cartooning books, how to draw animals. Like I always my, in my free time was doodling or in my bedroom with pieces of paper and yeah. drawing. That was, that was everything to me. And um, in fact, I went to a what I always refer to as a hippie school up until, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did, uh, up until about third grade. And it was more like a Montessori school where you learn at your own pace. Okay. And so yeah. I had um, a group of kids there, and it was learn in your own pace. And I took to learning. I absolutely love learning. I still do. Yeah. Reading and writing, and I did all kinds of art and studied anatomy books and did a lot of things uh, to help my drawing along. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, that hippie school, I was a pink and a blue. I was not in grades of any kind. Okay. <laughs> and so, <laughs> I know, it sounds weird. Uh, but when my mom and dad got married, my dad, he's a Minnesota farm boy. Yeah. And he says, I really, really want for her to have a more structured life and to have maybe some learning that is more like what norm, normal social norms, that, that's the best way to put it. <laughs> and so, yeah, so uh, when they had me 
to put me into school, I had to have something to go from. So they tested, I tested into a grade above where I was at that point in time. I figured I could maybe color in the lines a little better than everybody else, but I moved into the third grade. Yeah. And that was my first normal public school experience. Okay. So with a classroom setting. Yeah. And we moved around a little bit from there. I went to a bunch of different elementary schools in California, but then when we finally moved to Illinois, uh, that's where I was in one middle school and then finally into high school. Yeah. Um, well, and my background is I, I grew up in homeschool, so. Oh, yeah. That was the common question is everyone's like, oh, what grade are you in? I'm like, I have no idea. I'm doing fifth grade, like, math, but I'm in, like, second grade this and, like, fourth grade, like, you're just all over the board because you're depending on your strengths and like exactly how quickly your mom or teachers can kind of keep you going forward. It's like you're all over the place, and that's how most humans are. They're not they excel in a few areas and they're behind in a few areas. But when you're just thrown into this box of like, well, you're going to be at fifth grade for everything across the board, you start falling behind in some areas, and so yeah, I I get that. Even though it wasn't uh, colors and yeah. things that I was in, it, <laughs> they I didn't never, group you. I never had a clue what you know, what grade I was technically in. And mm-hmm. uh, even now, like our, our daughters are homeschooled. Our oldest son is going to public school and then our youngest son is homeschooled as well. So we're just kind of in this like, like I'm like, okay, I know what Peter's in because he, he actually has a classroom that like is assigned, but everyone else I'm like, I don't know what they're technically at right now. <laughs> yeah. So. And that's fun. I think that in, in right now in this day and age, that's a great thing to have, mm-hmm. you know, some... Some uh, they can move autonomously in their in their environment to learn, but then you're structured enough that you know exactly what they're learning. Yeah. So that's that's great. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. So um, so you were you were introduced to arts fairly young and, and showed a, a knack for it. As you got into high school, did you focus in more on that? Yes. Yes. <clears throat> and I always did it for fun Mm -hmm. and when I was in high school I did things like I created a backdrop for homecoming uh yeah it's if you're ever familiar with the band journey the 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 popular song at that time was faithfully okay so did this big forever yours faithfully with the rose (laughs) in the middle it was kind of cheesy but kind of cool at the same time it's in the yearbook and and I, I didn't do it all by my onesie I had friends that we got together and worked on it but it was absolutely something a project that launched me into gaining confidence about working and how to plan a project yeah so that that was really fun and then I also did a a school directory cover that was voted on like I just was really fun that it got chosen and and then when I had moved to Decatur uh, my mom and dad really wanted me to be more involved in making friends and getting <laughs> assimilated. And so I joined a, an art group, and they were teaching, like, drawing on the right side of the brain, that yeah. sort of thing. And uh, there was a contest for a fashion show okay. poster design. And so uh, I won that. I was stunned. I was just a kid, you know, and beat out some adults on that. So nice. that was really fun. So these sort of things kind of helped build my confidence. Yeah. And I did take art in high school. Mm-hmm. But my teacher, I just didn't feel very challenged by my teacher. Okay. Uh, it was the 80s. And she, <laughs> I think she was just, you know, kind of floating <laughs> along in her teaching career. I, I don't know. God bless her. But she... You know, it was the kind of teacher that come to class, and if she would announce to the class that she forgot her eyeliner, and does anyone in class have some extra eyeliner? <laughs> what are we learning? Yeah. <laughs> Be sure to bring plenty of eyeliner. Um, so I decided at that point, like, I wasn't getting a lot out of my high school art class, so mom and dad suggested that maybe I take a class at the community college where I might be more challenged. Now, mind you, this is way before running start or anything like that, but it makes sense looking back now because I was in with like-minded people that were more serious about 
drawing. Yeah. And I learned so much, you know, has structured activity and just one one thing, building block principles for line and shape and shadow yeah. and reflected light and drawing the human figure. Mm-hmm. All those things came into play in that community college setting. Yeah. So, you know, at the tender age of 17, I was, you know, doing something that most kids wouldn't have gotten to for at least a couple more years. Yeah. So, so in that then, um, you've mentioned drawing like uh, graphite and stuff. Is that what your main focus was, was kind of on that, not so much in the painting realm at the time? No, actually, graphics was not even on my radar. Oh, okay. Even though that did end up being a bulk of my career thus far. I really enjoyed painting. I had started taking a watercolor class. I worked at a frame shop when I was in high school. That was my high school job. And so I learned, I took a painting class outside of school and at the frame shop. And I fell in love with that. So I continued with watercolor and drawing and I love drawing. Always have. It's just a foundational skill set for all things whether what no matter what you're doing in yeah. art it really is yeah when you're doing uh i know i'm jumping ahead a little bit but like maybe even at this time when you were doing watercolor would you start with kind of sketching it out first and then go to watercolor oh yeah, yeah okay definitely yeah i absolutely did and it wasn't until college that i really under got some training and figured out how to make the paint work for me rather than being behind like because watercolor is unforgiving yes it it definitely got (laughs) I would spend many many hours planning things out how I was going to do things Mm -hmm. and always kind of my goal was always never to come back over an area more than a few times okay yeah when I painted but always starting out fairly abstract and then working to something more finished in my center of interest and that's that's really an academy thing but yeah but I digress so um I did want to share that uh with the community college class and then being confident in my high school class there was another event that happened and my mom shared with me and she had not really talked much with me about my biological dad and Somewhere along senior year, when I was kind of like, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Yeah. I really, I didn't, art was fun, but yeah. I didn't know if that was really what I wanted to, to do in a career setting. Yeah. And she told me that he was an artist. Okay. And he was a commercial artist. He did architectural rendering. And I was really blown away. Like, she was not forthcoming about her life with him very much. Yeah. It was, she felt it was really private. And so what little I learned was taken with her to when she passed away. She just never told me much. Yeah. So I was pretty blown away and I thought, well, you know, maybe this is really part of my DNA. This is part of my heritage, like who I am. And maybe I could do something with this for real. So that was a defining moment, and it really helped launch me into a personal journey into being an artist, at least in a commercial setting. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's fascinating. I, mm-hmm. I've heard um, so many different stories. Um, so I'm actually adopted as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've heard so many stories of adoptees or... Um, you know, I knew another mm-hmm. friend that was, again, he was, um, you know, their parents split pretty young, so he never really met his dad. Uh, and years later, he had been working as an engineer, and years later, actually did find out who his dad was and connected with him. And after meeting, it was like, oh, he's also an engineer. He's like, wow. So it's just weird. And then uh, similar stories, you know, other stories that I've heard. It's just fascinating that, like, these people who never met their biological parents, if they meet them again or find out later on, like there's these innate characteristics that they got from them despite Absolutely. never meeting them. It's so true. And I really can see that even as I've learned more about him since, that, that sort of a moray, an overlay of 
you know, certainly my personality, but there are certain things that I do uh, or have a, a knack for or an interest in, yeah. like say Scandinavian design and architecture. Yeah. And that's all he, that's primarily what he was interested in rendering was yeah. all these clean lines. And it just, it's, it's strange to me, like there's certain, and he had a knack for birds and um, drawing color. He was a, really an expert in color. And he also did uh, signage and things and all stuff that, it's funny, that's stuff that I've done and, and without know, knowing anything about him. Yeah. That I went in that direction. So yeah. it's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So then as you were ending um, high school and you had already taken some community college classes, mm -hmm. um, what kind of finally like led you to decide what you wanted to do at, at college and, and kind of beyond? So I went to a four-year university to start. Okay. And it, it's a school called Western Illinois University. And if I had to describe it so people out west here would know, <laughs> it's something like, it's a little bit like WSU in terms of it's on the other side of the state. Yep. It's in a little tiny town and nothing goes on except the college. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, and, uh, you know, my first year was all about freedom and bad decisions. That was yes. my Gotta first year. <laughs> I really had a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> Did a lot of research and what kids do first year of college. Um, and they also gave me a tuition grant waiver for art. So it was kind of a nice segue into university setting. And But after I got there and was there for a year, I thought, you know, this really is what I want to do. So why not just go to a school, a trade school, where I'm really going to devote and focus on that one thing? Yeah. And skip the math and the science and all that other stuff. If yeah. Because I, I really, it's not going to be part of my story later on. So. Yeah. And so from there, I went to, I transferred to the Art Institute of Chicago. Yeah. And I, I'm going to try to do my best to sandwich a compliment, you know, compliments with a criticism in the middle. Okay. <laughs> um, so it is, comes with a great reputation, and it really is an amazing school. It's right in downtown Chicago, and it is huge. It hit. There are reputable instructors, and it's a really interesting place. Lots of activities for painting and printmaking and a couple of things I, that I did while I was there. Yeah. Uh, kind of the, the bad part is it, it was based a lot on postmodernist influence. So okay. the classes were incredibly unstructured. And not that you would think that that might be a bad thing, but there yeah. wasn't really much being taught. It was a little bit of a, the baby went out with the bathwater on, yeah. on traditional teaching. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I come into class and one of my teachers, the minute I got to class, he'd leave for 30, 45 minutes, go get a cup of coffee, come back and just mill around and look at things, you know, wow. set things up for life drawing. And then I, I, another class I had life drawing, but there was no anatomy being taught, no structure as to how to draw the form, human form. So. Yeah. It was so unstructured. Yeah. Another class, the first day of class, I went in and it was an audio-visual class. It was an extra extracurricular, and it, it she had us picking debris up off the floor. <laughs> My dad was pissed. He was like, "There's a vacuum in the corner. <laughs> we are paying for that." <laughs> so you know, this is just sort of the weird thing. But I did have. A wonderful printmaking class uh, that I learned to levigate a stone and go through the whole printmaking process. Yeah. And the other really cool thing that was there was the museum. Okay. There is no substitute for being um, able to go look at master's work yeah. in real life. Yeah. And so anytime I got really frustrated with my classes, I'd skip class and go to the museum and sit in front of a favorite master's piece, whether that be, you know, Monet or Rembrandt or one of those, and 
just sit and study. Yeah. Just walk, look and get really close. Like, how did they layer that? How did they draw that? And just yeah. mesmerized by the incredible detail and I would say it's complicated. You yeah. know, it's a complicated. I love I love a, a Jordan B. Peterson um, quote that paintings are layers of time. And that's what, you know, a painting that really comes to life. It's showing a layers of time. And I, I would only hope that I get a little bit of that in anything I paint in the yeah. future. <laughs> so I was there at the Art Institute for a couple of years and I, I fell out of love with that place pretty quick. Yeah. And I transferred across the street to a place called the American Academy of Art okay. in Chicago. And I thought it was very appropriate that I was 16 floors up looking down on the Art Institute <laughs> from there. <laughs> and it was everything the Art Institute was. And I had fundamentals classes. I learned line, shape, and form once again. Yeah. And in my anatomy class, we started with bone structure and then drew... Oh, uh, muscle structure over that and then the actual human form so in every life drawing class you had building block principles Yeah. and in every class you had hey here's watercolor you start monochromatically let's learn how to control what you can in the paint Yeah. and, and it was absolutely the foundation of everything I know today thus far with Very art cool. yeah and and art is always a learning process i'm yeah. still a work in progress but it definitely was the fundamentals which launched me into having a really great portfolio yeah. learning how to be a professional how yeah. to put a resume together that if they're looking for an artist how would what do you need yeah how does your work need to be presented and all that was super important so uh, that that was fabulous, and I still I, I've gone back and visited the American Academy of Art, and um, it's a great school, nice. tremendous. Yeah, still in touch with my teachers. And, oh, very it's a cool. Great place. Yeah. Awesome. So, where did you go uh, upon graduating from there? So after my five-year plan, because that <laughs> was, <laughs> uh, I had that awesome portfolio with zero experience, and at, at right about this time. I remind you, my dad was a pilot, so he and my mom and my sister uh, moved overseas Okay. about that time. And I was trying to decide, do I want to stay here or do I want to, because I was invited to go with, I yeah. could go with them, but I decided not to. Okay. Uh, I really was worried. Like, you know, this is 1990, jobs were very competitive, yep. and I was very concerned about well, what do I do if I have a hole on my resume for two years? I yeah. just was a little freaked out. So I was like, you know, I think I'm going to stay here and get a job and do the be the responsible <laughs> person now. Yeah. So uh, Where were they moving? They went to Australia. Okay. Cairns, Australia, which is on the northeast corner. So it's up in the tropical area right off the Great Barrier Reef. Wow. And I actually, my parents, you know, they, um, of course, I got to go visit. Yes. So I oh, did good. get to visit Australia. <laughs> but I had really wanted, since they were only probably there for two years on a two-year visa, yeah. I wanted to go scuba diving. So while I was in Chicago, I took scuba diving lessons, became a certified diver. Okay. And went scuba diving off the Great Barrier Reef. Oh, nice. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Saw an eel. And it's so cool. Like underwater life is so different from above water life as as an yeah. as an artist and when you, and, and as a human but on land, your entire view of the world is horizontal. You look at things in a landscape fashion, yeah. but underwater everything is vertical. So things grow up towards the light. Yeah. And so there would be these curtains of fishes, like all these tropical fishes like I expected to see something you know like Spongebob where you know things are kind of moving along yeah. <laughs> underwater no it's these huge tall columns of fishes and and sea life and wow. it's just very cool I, I just amazing and I'm so glad I did it when I did it because how many times do you get to 
yeah. go to Australia. <laughs> so that's awesome. Yeah, so that was really fun. But yes, I decided to stay, and my very first job was at a paper cup company. Okay. Yeah. Wah wah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, kids. <laughs> yeah, very unromantic, very practical. And my job, I uh, had this great portfolio, and they said, hey, kid, we'll, we'll train you. So I sat at a light table every day, and this was before computers. So everything that you did for printing was done film they did, took pictures yeah. with the camera. They created film and then a plate wow. with an emulsion. So it's all kind of old, very old school. Yeah. Well, my job was to sit at a light table and fill in pinholes of light wow. on the film. So I had a paintbrush in my hand, which is the closest thing to art <laughs> that I could possibly draw from that. And I filled in the little pinholes of light with paint, like a rust-colored paint. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. It was so unbelievable. Like I was looking for my exit at any point possible. And here, here's what I would recommend to any, any kid getting out of school is to take these moments, like say, you know, say you get a really unsexy job, you know, like that is that you can learn something Yeah. and be humble mm -hmm. and just find something in it that you can hang on to. Yeah. Like, uh, it just, it's one of those things where it's good to go and learn and learn how to interact with coworkers. And, yeah. and, uh, I, I learned how to, a weird, one weird skill set that I learned how to do was to strip film together. Okay. I'm not talking dirty. I, I strip film together, and it's interesting that that is a skill that I still use today, which is to basically seamlessly bond two pieces of something together so that you have a uniform, long something yeah. that wouldn't, couldn't be done with um, a regular piece of paper or film. Yeah. So uh, the whole time I was there, I was looking for an another job, and I was moonlighting, so I was freelancing with a company called Inesco. Okay. And that's another thing I would highly recommend <clears throat> to any student coming out of school is that if you take a job and you don't like it, or even if you do like it, always be looking for a way that you can optimize, implement, learn something, um, do self-assignment. If you're not getting the assignment you want out of your projects at work, yeah. assign yourself something, do it on your own time. Yeah. And I promise that will go so far because every job I ever got the next job was because I gave myself a self-assignment. Okay. Yeah, it really is true. Yeah. Well, so, and, and I think um, something that um, actually speaking with my brother-in-law, actually this is before I started, like when I was still an engineer working in kind of professional world, um, one of the things he was he would always tell me when we were talking was, he's like, in all the jobs and things that I've done, like, I'm just building experiences. And if you think of your life as just building skill sets and that you're, con like, whatever you learn at any job, regardless of what level of work you're doing, there's always something you can learn. And then when you leave that job, you take that with you and exactly. no one gets to take that away from you. And uh, it was always interesting to me when, he, when I would talk to him because he worked some strange jobs and some, like, not glamorous jobs. And, and I was like, so were you, like, during this time when you were working there, were you just like, like just waiting for the next thing or something like that? And he's like, well, yes, I was looking, but I was also learning what I could during those, those time periods. And um, it kind of gave me a new outlook on like how I see work and projects and, and experiences. Like all these different things make you a little bit stronger, a little bit better. And you get to always take that with you regardless of what you Exactly. You it creates opportunities. Yeah. There was a great book I read in the early 2000s called Who Moved My Cheese? Yes, yeah. And that, that is that same kind of principle in terms of, you know, your cheese is going to move. So what are you going to do to get to the cheese? And uh, it was sort of a whole fable about a little mouse and, you know, having his running shoes around his neck at all times. But that's really, as a, in a human 
uh, sense to be prepared, yeah. to be ready to run, to be ready to go find where that cheese is going to get moved, and yeah. and to hopefully you know plan your own cheese, you know, like <laughs> get your, get the job you maybe really would like yeah. to have. So let's see. Uh, yeah. So let's see. I went I, after after the paper cup company. I did that freelancing with UNESCO. And that's really where my career began. Okay. That was my first, I would say, real job. Um, I was freelancing, trying to get in as an illustrator. Okay. Because that was what my degree was. I got a degree in illustration. And they said, Jennifer, we really like your work. But right now, all we have is a graphic design job. Okay. Graphic arts. And I said, I'll do it. I'll do it. Because I knew that I would have opportunities within the company to do some illustration work. It wouldn't yeah. be my primary focus, but at least I'd have some opportunities. And boy, am I ever glad I just took that job because it ended up being so fun. I, I got opportunities to illustrate like gift plates, spot illustrations. I, I always had, like say, my door... I go down to the illustration department and say, yeah. "Do you have anything? Could I do anything? You know, on my even on my free time, like, yeah. could I, could I do something?" And uh, one time, I had a friend who hired me to do some hand painted lettering. So it was a little some lettering, some words that looked like quilted fabric. Okay. Because everything's kind of cutesy. And Esco's a giftware company, and there's lots. Of, okay. Uh, if if you haven't heard of Inesco, you've probably heard of Precious Moments. Yes. Yeah, yeah, So, and then they had licensed products as well, like Garfield and Marvel and the uh, baseball sports, uh, you know, all sorts of things yeah. that they'd made collectible stuff for merchandising. Yep. So anyway, I was, um, I was doing some hand-painted lettering. And to make a little extra money and to get my, again, got to do some illustration work. And so I had to do it pretty quick. It was like a one-night overnight deal. Oh, so wow. I did okay. it very quick. I painted it very quickly. It looked great. I leaned my painting up against the wall. Oh, no. I know. <laughs> I had a dog. <laughs> when I woke up the next day, it looked like someone had taken a broad brush over the whole thing and you know washed marks through the whole thing and I realized as I like rubbed my eyes I'm like I couldn't believe what I saw and I, my dog had licked my painting oh no yes yes like my dog actually ate my homework uh -huh. <laughs> and I had to go back kind of hat in hand like oh please let me have another day I've got to I can't believe it my dog destroyed this and uh, I did get it done uh, he did keep me on, but I got to do the work twice. Yes. And I did it twice as fast. There we go. <laughs> but, but yeah, that was some, one of my anecdotes from Inesco. But um, it was a cool job. Like, in my department, since I was doing a lot of the licensed products, we didn't really have an office per se. So okay. we were in a portable unit that was down in the warehouse. Okay. So we were kind of this... Red, the little stepchild out in the yeah. <laughs> out in the warehouse, but you'd open that door and the music would be going and the coffee's on and everybody's having a good time and it was just really fun. I learned about how to um, art direct a photo shoot and how to lay out typesetting and in fact typesetting because like I say there weren't really computers at the moment yeah. right then um, that typesetting was in a little closet like a furnace sized closet with yep. a machine that was about the size of a furnace with a little lady that was sitting there typing away like you give her your copy that you want to have printed yeah and she spits it out on the machine yeah and hands it back to you and then you run to the production department and have them put it all together okay so you know this is a pre-computer that's a lot yeah. of jobs that happen in the box now yeah very cool which Interestingly enough, that did happen. Like, when I got out of school, my dad was a very a computer nut. He loved computers. Mm -hmm. He's the type of guy that would go to Radio Shack and buy a kit. Mm -hmm. And he actually bought a kit to build a computer. 
Okay. So, yeah, this was like early 70s. Yeah. And with the dot matrix printer and all that, and and he programmed it to do your biorhythms, you know, in 1970s things. But anyway, I, I, I was encouraged early on by my dad, Jen, you really got to learn to use the computer. Yeah. And I was like, Dad, no. Art... There is no art and computers. That, that isn't going to be compatible in my world. Yep. And he was like, but look, look. And he shows me a mouse and a pad. And the mouse is, you know, like, it's like holding a block of soap, you know. Yep. And he's like, moves it six or eight inches. And on screen, you see a line form about two, three seconds later. Yes. And I was like, no, Dad, that's not going to work. That is too slow. Yeah. Uh, and I just thought, no, I'm not going to do computer. Well, yeah. guess what? Computer <laughs> landed on my desk at an ESCO because I was okay. a graphic, in graphic arts. Yeah. And I had never taken a computer class in my life at that point. And they paid for all my training for Photoshop and Illustrator. And at that time was Cork Express. Wow. And I learned. Yeah. I said, I guess I'm going to learn this. This is on my desk now. Yeah. And that's how I learned. I never was educated in any form of it. But it's amazing that that one item changed everything. That eliminated probably six jobs yeah. in the field right there. That yeah. little typesetting lady, the production department, and eventually yeah. the film, everything. I mean, it's like now we've gone demand printing, for heaven's sakes. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's amazing. Our web, so, you, you know, eliminate a lot of printing right there. But yeah. But I learned so much there, and that was just such a great place to start Yeah. and learn how things go from beginning to end. And I got to do a lot of great illustration projects. And during that time, mom and dad moved back from overseas, and they moved to Washington. Okay. And I flew out here to visit. And it was just one of those days, like, they took me on a ferry ride, yes. and the sun was setting behind the Space Needle and Mount Rainier, and I said, please, Mother, Father, <laughs> may I come live with you? <laughs> you know, I'm about 23. <laughs> I'm like, sure, come on out. So the rest, uh, I saw I got, I actually drove out here in my Jeep, and... When I got out here, I had a heck of a time finding a job. Yeah. So then where did you, how did you end up finding work out here then? Uh, I actually, I, I fell back on my framing experience and I worked at a frame shop and gallery. Okay. For a little while. Yeah. And uh, that's where I met my ex-husband. Okay. It was, um, we both worked at the same mall. Okay. <laughs> and... When we got married, we moved to Bellingham. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and he went to Western, and I took a job at a tool company, and that happened that that tool company used Cork Express. Okay. So that worked out really well, because yeah. I got to use the skills from my previous job. And it was a really crazy place. It was crazy. Um, yeah. yeah, great story. Uh, my first day of work at Grizzly, I... Uh, the guy had all kinds of swords and stuff on his wall, and okay. it was his birthday. And he took out and he cut his cake with a sword. <laughs> I'm just telling you, I took one step back and I thought, I don't know how long I'm going to be working here. <laughs> <laughs> Who cuts the cake with a sword? <laughs> well, that's, that's one way to do it. My first day, I thought, this is, this is crazy. So... <laughs> Anyway, uh, I worked there for about eight months, and then I got a job at a design firm. Okay. And that was really fun because I got to really be more involved with clients and different... It wasn't just one product. It was all sorts of different services yeah. and products at that point, and that was really fun, and I learned a lot there. And then... Because <laughs> creative work tends to... Like, I think if you do five years at a creative job, you've... That's a long time. Yeah. It's, you get your more of your creative muscle built moving from job to job, if, if you can. Yeah. And so then um, the next job I took was at a place in Mount Vernon. Okay. 
And that, that design firm, actually, they were the merchandisers for the Tulip Festival. Okay. So that's where I got introduced to the Tulip Festival, and I actually got to design the 1998 Tulip Festival poster. Okay. Yeah, so nice. I, I think I'm the only person to design the poster as well as be on the, the artist, the featured artist. And I was the featured artist in 2021. But um, that wasn't my last job at, at Mount Vernon. Um, I, I went to freelance work. And then I ended up moving to Idaho and Michigan. Okay. So I was two years away, but we came back. Mm -hmm. And when I came back, we moved to Anacortes, Washington. Yeah. And I got a job with Bunnies by the Bay. Really? So I went back to sort of a giftware type of thing. But it was great because I got hired to be an illustrator. Okay. And I felt like I was really living the dream. I mean, my goodness, I have a knack for cute and cuddly. And (laughs) I... uh, you know, got to ride my bicycle to work, and I yeah. had little kids, and we rode bicycles well, and together. Well, is kind of a magical, like, small... It's like Camino. It's, it's that yeah. magical, like, small-town feel. You never really have to go to the mainland unless you're, like, leaving to go do something. But, like, you pretty much have everything you need right there. So you just almost grow up, like, you're almost away from the real world. It's so true. Yeah. So true. And it, it, it truly oh. is a, a magical place. I still love and enjoy going back there because my kids went to school for some time over there and then and then we ended up in Mount Vernon okay um and I stayed at Bunnies by the Bay for about seven years okay and near the end I was part of my (laughs) self-assignments that I did uh, was that I really wanted to design something dimensional so we I was doing trade booths displays and things where I was doing the artwork for the back of the display. And I had taken uh, the time to produce artwork that was now in Photoshop versus hand-painted because it was so much easier, you know, just to erase something. You wanted a different color, anything. I mean, or we could just turn it all turn it into something else very easily and it was already set up for the graphic arts person to handle at that point. So it worked out really well to optimize and implement using Photoshop for the artwork. Yeah. Uh, but I took it a step further and I really wanted to do, like I say, some sort of dis- uh, three-dimensional design because we were designing for stores overseas. Yeah. And they do, they ha- have quite a few stores overseas in um, China, Singapore, all over, really all over. Yeah. And I got into Google Sketch, SketchUp. I just yeah. was like, I, I can do it on my own, and I did designed a kitchen and a store for Bunnies by the Bay, which neither came to fruition, but now I had a little something in my portfolio. Yeah. And uh, I wanted more, and I interviewed at a place called Dylan Works okay. in Mukilteo, and I got hired as their graphic arts person there, and they are a theming and fabrication company, but those three-dimensional things that I showed them really helped catapult me into a whole different world of three dimensions. So because they're theming and fabrication, everything is done and built in the shop down below. So I had to very quickly learn to draw in scale and elevations and create shop drawings, which I'd never seen one in my life. I didn't, I didn't know about drawing in scale and how important that would very Thing would be because those shop people get kind of ticked if you're, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're coming not from the engineering background. <laughs> I, I have yeah. experience with all of that. Yeah, it's damn artists. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I really, I really worked hard on learning how to read architectural renderings and how to at least ask. I knew at least how to ask the right questions. And if I don't know how to do something, I'll figure out how to do it. Yeah. Figure a way. And uh, one of the best things I could recommend if someone was doing schooling for art and you just want to supplement your art career is go to lynda.com, L-Y-N-D-A.com. Yes. Now, I've, I haven't used it in a long time, but it really is a great... I'm not, they're not paying me to say this. I'm just saying <laughs> <laughs> it's what I used to help facilitate and fill in the gaps where I had some, you know, needed 
some learning. So yeah. that that was a great supplement. Yeah. And everything I learned there really was, I mean, a crash course in three dimension. And they just are fabulous. They do work all over the world. Yeah. And it was so fun. I mean, I, I did 21,000 square feet of wallpaper for a giant church down in Texas. Um, I did play areas for Texas. Uh, I did some things for M&Ms overseas. And, uh, and also just very cool. Just all kinds of really neat things. Yeah. I, you know, they do a lot of work for... Disney and other big companies yeah. that you wouldn't think you wouldn't just don't know about them because they're a very cool three-dimensional one-off one-of-a-kind custom builds yeah yeah and it was so fun because it was play areas and things and I get to test stuff out with the kids and yeah very <laughs> so cool. that, that was really fun nice so um so then uh, uh you you obviously you went through all these different um like companies and stuff like that um, and have continued to kind of evolve your art over time um, and you mentioned that you worked with the Tulip Festival in the 80s um, but how did you kind of relink up with that later on? Oh yeah so I had it let me back up when I was working doing the Tulip Festival poster design yeah. I met the poster artist and the poster artist that year happened to be Alfred Courier. Okay. And we sat down and started chatting about the design and then just started talking about life. And it ended up that he had been in Chicago 25 years earlier at the same school. Okay. We even studied under the same watercolor instructor, okay. Irving Shapiro. Uh, but he, you know, Irv was a little younger back then and a little <laughs> older with me. And we just had so many things in common. And then we actually ended up being neighbors in Anacortes. And he's okay. been an incredible, wonderful mentor and friend of mine for the last 25 years. Yeah. And he very much encouraged me to go for it. And uh, it's taken a while. I didn't think it would be close to 25 years for me to get to the festival. Uh, it was 23, all yeah. said and done, between the 1998 and 2021. But it, it really was so much fun. And uh, so I just kept going back. Like, it took from beginning to end for the festival. It was a three-year process. Yeah. From the time I initi initiated submission for it to fruition. Yeah. To actual festivals. So it was a long journey. Yeah. And what was that for you? Because, um, I mean, obviously there's a lot of work put into that. It's a very well-known, I mean, especially in this area, it is the festival. What was that like for you to finally achieve that? Oh, other than my children. <laughs> <laughs> That was like one of my best life experiences, truly. I mean, it was just a blessing. I've never, I, I had envisioned it, but it, to have it really be me and to, it was just an honor to be a part of it. Yeah. And um, I feel like I've just such a part of the community now. And um, I got to, I love meeting people and it was just so much fun to feel that love all the time. You know, people come and they're just, and especially because it was still pandemic uh, with masks and everything, yes. but I had a cool mask with my art on it. Okay. Festival art. And I set up every Friday at the going between Rosengarda and the Tulip Town. Yep. And signing posters and getting to meet people. And it was just great. I mean, that is my jam, like is being part of the community and yeah. being able to see people they were so happy to be out and yes. you know enjoying nature and the beauty of things and it was just it was it was amazing that's awesome so, yeah. very cool all right and then um what are i i know we're we're actually recording this a little bit you know ways before you're showing but mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about the pieces that you're going to be bringing to the loft so i am bringing some what i'm calling our 
Floriscapes. Okay. So I've been wanting to do a series of flowers up close okay. for 20 years. And I am excited to show them, uh, to be able to uh, show close-ups of interesting shapes, colors, unique composition. They're all realistic, but they're cropped in a unique, in some in an abstract way, like you might not at glance, you, you know instinctively, okay, that's a flower shape, but it's not super obvious because the flowers aren't in a vase or yeah. something, and they're just, you're close up on them. Yeah. And I'm very excited to, it's been so much fun to just go with something organic. Yeah. Like, I love painting. I still love my trucks, because that was what was on the festival poster. Yeah. And I have painted lots of trucks and cars and things. Um, but I'm focusing on flowers right now, and I need to get it out of my system. Like, I go through ideas of things that I've wanted to do, and this this is fun. So I've got some tulips and some chrysanthemums and... Oh, very cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, flowers with our have some structure yeah and design to them yeah so very cool mm -hmm. and <clears throat> your current medium are you using a watercolor still or are you doing oil or what type of um yeah what do you good use? question let's see i i started using oils about seven years ago okay. i had never painted with oil before yeah. when i was at the academy of art in chicago uh, the oil painting room was dark and stinky, and when I'd walk by, the fumes would come out, and you get like a contact high from the turp. You're like, "Whoa, <laughs> that is killing me!" And uh, but I love the results of oils yeah. in oil painting. The richness, the tr the way you can go impasto with thick paint or thin paint and glazes. Yeah. I mean, it has it has a flexibility to it that watercolor doesn't. Yeah. So I started using oils, but then I moved to water-soluble oils. Okay. So that was great fun because that just sort of married my two worlds Yeah. in a way. Um, not that, the, that they're watercolor, because they really aren't. They really are oil paint. I don't know what black magic they do to the paint to get it to <laughs> be able to be uh, dissolved in water, but it, it acts like the turp. Okay. And what's nice is that it's doesn't smell there's no chemical smell to it other than the really nice linseed oil smell yeah but i liken it to maybe homogenized milk you know they whip it through some process that the molecules can uh, be watered down with water but still hold together in a way okay. that it doesn't separate yeah that's I don't like, cool. like I say, black magic. I don't know how it does. I just know that it works. Yeah. And it makes it easy, especially if you're plain air painting. You just take a bottle of water with you. You don't, you know, and you have a sip of water and pour some in your cup and dissolve your paint. It's great. Yeah. Um, but that is what I've been using. I still love pen and ink. Yeah. I, I've always loved just black and white. Yeah. So, and I would love sometime to get back into printmaking because I did that in college at... The Art Institute, and I, I really love printmaking. So yeah. one of these days. But yeah. I've been so f really focused on painting. Any free time I have goes towards just developing painting right now. Yeah. I have my youngest son who is graduating from high school in a couple of weeks. Wow. I know, and he's my last baby. Oh, no. So he is the neatest kid. I'm so proud of him. He's going to go to WSU. Go Cougs. Nice. Cool. That's <laughs> now, where I went. Now I'm a Coug mom. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's very exciting. And he's thinking about engineering. Okay. And, very cool. And, yeah. And uh, neither of my sons is very engineering. They're both engineering minded like yeah. their dad. Um, but they're both creative in their own way. Yeah. My oldest is that uh, he took to music. Okay. He did... Uh, uh, drumming in high school so he was yeah. in jazz one at Mount Vernon High School and was an incredible performer I was so proud of him and my youngest is uh, a really good gamer yep I mean most parents are like don't don't play video games that's a waste of your time and I'm like hey if if you can get straight A's and keep up your gaming go go for it yeah and that's what he did yeah. he was like okay I'll I can do that yeah that's great. And he actually ended up winning money. Yeah. Yeah. He won a bunch of money playing Fortnite. 
Nice. <laughs> yeah, no, I've, um, it's, it's a fascinating, I mean, the world has obviously changed so much uh, in the last 10, 20 years, but it's, it's very interesting um, following, because I've been a gamer ever since, like, the, you know, the Nintendo Entertainment System, the mm-hmm. NES, way oh, back yeah. when. And I know there's uh, Altaria and all that stuff before that, but, um, like, when I started doing video games and stuff like that, you know, it was just the little thing you would do at, at night. You know, it was something you do with your friends, and um, the evolution of games, though, over my... Uh, just seeing it from going from that to what it is today, um, where these there's these huge prize pools and these things, it's just... It's very... It's... It's just crazy how things have changed and how mm-hmm. really you can take if you're if you're willing to put in the work and it means you sacrifice other things. That's right. You are able to make a life out of the work or what the the thing that you enjoy the most. So true. So I always I try and apply that with my kids is like, you know, Mike. I'm a little bit like I'm not like the the expert type people that dig to the nth degree of something. When it comes to video games or anything that I've kind of done, I, I'm more of a generalist. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, when my, I talk with my son, he's like, "I want to do video games." I'm like, "Okay, that means like if you're doing that, you yep. need to learn how to be better at them. It's not just I'm going to go play video games. It's you're putting in the work to get better at them." Right. And um, he's like, "Oh, okay." So like, you know, when we're playing, sometimes we'll talk through that. But yeah, it's it's just fascinating. And then as you study those people that are excellent at that, you realize. They could have been, like, you know, Fortune 500 CEOs. They could have been, like, world-class artists. They just chose video games as their avenue. So true. Yeah. So. I know. I think that's interesting that something that when I was growing up, you know, with kind of uh, Atari and and even before that Pong, things <laughs> that were, you know, very simplified games, mm-hmm. you know, Pac-Man and Galaga. That was my jam, Galaga. Yes. Uh it was, you know, it was single player. Well, now he's made friends uh, all over the place, yeah. up and down the coast, because he plays with people from everywhere, and and it, it's really kind of cool. I did, you know, that's a totally different level of gaming that yeah. creates interaction, and I feel like that if you were fighting for inclusivity, that's a great way to do it because there's something that a lot of kids could play. Yeah regardless of where they're at in life, you know, yeah. you don't need to be particularly tall or, you know, a certain kind of body shape, uh, you know, or anything. Yeah. It just requires you to be able to play the game. So yeah. I, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, very yeah. cool. Well, congratulations. <laughs> that's, that's obviously a very large transition. And, it is. <laughs> um, yeah. Wish yeah. the best as you make it through all of that. I know. Yeah. So he leaves in August and I keep telling him we're going to, we're going to turn your room into a naked bongo room, son. <laughs> He's like, Mom. <laughs> I think I've threatened him so much now he really believes me. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, very cool. Well, I like to end every podcast with some rapid-fire questions. Yeah. So the first one is, what purchase of $100 or less have you enjoyed the most in the last three months? So this is going to sound weird. I haven't bought much, but... The one thing I have added to my things that's so great is an LED toilet bowl light. Okay. I know. It's like under $10. It's the little things in life, you know? (laughs) It's just enough light, not too much, to just get the job done. And it's life-changing. Like, it it turns on the minute you step in the room, and it goes off after... I think two minutes or something. Yeah. So that's it's great. perfect. Yeah. It's a little, it's the little things. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Especially if you're, you know, middle of the night and you're like, I don't want to blind myself, but I also want to make sure I hit the toilet. Exactly. Or sit down on the yeah. toilet and not miss it. I would think for, if you have any boys, that'd yes. be perfect. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Uh, who is the most influential person outside of your family in your life? Uh, I mentioned this person a little bit earlier, and that would be Alfred Currier. Yeah. He is a tremendous artist. Uh, uh, absolutely, he's a wonderful human being, um, super talented and very patient and wonderful mentor and friend. Really, nice. like, sort of a father figure of art. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very <laughs> cool. All right, this is a fill-in-the-blank question. Uh, I know this is weird, but I've always wanted to blank. Live in a tiny house. Okay. <laughs> and I think as a kid, you I would have said Winnebago. 
because, <laughs> my, you know, my, as we drove to Minnesota from Chicago area to, you know, we passed a Winnebago factory. Yes. And I was like, oh, mom, dad, can't we get a Winnebago? So, and now they have Tiny House Nation where they build all these little custom homes on wheels. And yeah. I just really, I'm obsessed. And uh, now I look at it as more like financial freedom or freedom from material possessions uh, to live simply. Yeah. You know, to give yourself time to go explore. Yeah. An adventure. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Well, now that you, you're almost an empty nester, it's your time to do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, who is an interesting or fascinating person that I should interview next? I would recommend Mike Dillon from Dillon Works. Okay. The Muckleteo shop down there. They have a giant airplane on the outside of their building, a paper airplane, not a real airplane. Um, and it's giant. And he, I think he's maybe still lives here on Camino. And oh, okay. He, yeah. And he is the owner and operator of Dillon Works. And he used to be a Disney Imagineer, and he is one fascinating cat. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. All right, and lastly, what piece of advice would you give your 20-year-old self? I would tell myself, don't worry about boys so much. <laughs> Seriously, like, why don't you just focus on what Jennifer needs and wants and, you know, focus on, I kind of, I think I really wanted that part of my life figured out. Yeah. And... As it turned out, it wasn't ever really always figured out. Yeah. I have a great husband and now and everything, but it just is, I remember at the time, I was just a little bit, I wished I would have not worried about that so much. I've always been the kind of person that worked super hard and uh, burned the candle at both ends and, like I said, self-assignments and burning yeah. the midnight oil, and I've done that for 25, 30 years now. And um, I just wish at the time I had let, not worried about that. Yeah. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you, Brandon. It's been a pleasure. All right. And Islanders, I will talk to you on the next one. Well, a big thank you to Jennifer McGill for joining me on the podcast today. And thank you for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. It really helps us be found by other Islanders like yourself. And for more information on this episode, you can go to tomatocommons.com slash podcast. That's tomatocommons.com slash podcast. Be sure to follow me on the Insta uh, at the Commando Voice and see you guys next time.